Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, everyone. My name is the Renegade Statman. Very warm welcome to the show. Thanks very much for coming on. Obviously, the, the news is broken that you're, you're moving to past is new, um, taking up a role at Aston Villa. Um, but before we get to that, I thought it'd be quite interesting. You've been been at the club for a long time, I think about 17 years. I mean, yeah, as, as you said, I joined in 2002 off the back of, I, hadn't, I certainly didn't play in the World Cup. I remember watching the World Cup um, with who was to be our manager for a good period of time, Mick McCarthy and Ireland and, and, and Matt Holland scoring against Cameroon. And um, I was living in Turkey at the time. And... Uh, I then come over to England. Um, I was contracted to another club, but I was, I was training with Ipswich to keep myself fit. But um, Malcolm Moore, who was our head of recruitment at the time, asked me if I was willing to stay over for a bit longer, which I did. And things evolved into me then signing on a, on a year's scholarship. So I was, only, I was only contracted for a year, which not many people knew about at the time. Um, and I'd come into an environment where I'd already been training full time. Um, and the boys at these ages don't turn full-time until they go into their first year scholarship. So I'd already done a year of full-time football in Turkey. And uh, I remember coming, I hadn't had a break, so I was at my peak fitness levels. And I come into my first session with, with a coach called Stephen Greaves, Greavesy. He now does the pro licenses at the FA and a really, really good coach. And I just remember my first training session getting cramp in the morning. And I thought the intensity that these players in England at the time were training at was ridiculous. Pitches were pristine. The, 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 the facilities were unbelievable. I mean, at the time, it was spoken about that we were like one of the best training grounds in England, like top five at the time. Um, so we had one of the best facilities. Um, obviously, Brian Klug was heading the academy at the time and we had some really good coaches. But the biggest difference to what I can tell you now to, to back then was the number of staff. There was about a handful of staff that looked after the under 18s and the reserves at the time because that was different. And I just remember coming in and seeing a Matt Holland, who I just watched two weeks ago, score in a World Cup, then train with us because he returned 
earlier than some of the others and was getting back to fitness. And I just remember being in awe of everything and thinking, wow, this this is what I want to do and I've got to work my socks off to, to get my contract. I had an auntie in, in the area that was a, a season ticket holder for, for, for over 30 years, bless her, not with us anymore. But um, so there was an affiliation with Ipswich prior to coming. Um, but yeah, once I joined the football club, I never thought I'd be sat here doing a podcast, my first ever, by the way, um, 17 years on um, with Ipswich in my blood and it always will be. Yeah, the, 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 the time at the academy as a, as a scholar, having players, we've just been relegated from the Premier League as a club as well. So I've never even been all this time at Ipswich, I've never seen the Premier League. <laughs> um, I've seen the Championship and now League One. Um, but we, we were a top academy. Um, and uh, you look back and see the type of opponents you used to play against to then see who made it in the game. Um, and I think the biggest difference now is probably the, the, the level that the current academy play at in terms of category two to what we used to play at and there was the reserve league back then so any pros that weren't playing or come back from injuries were always playing in the reserve league so you're always playing with or against senior pros um i've still got um squad lists or fixture from our fixtures and and you got you know players that played at inter milan that then were at tottenham or you got your fabregas and flaminis playing for arsenal and you're up against these um so that was a that was unbelievable experiences we had playing against them um but That'd be the biggest difference at the moment. It's just the level of games that the players are exposed to aren't maybe as challenging as what they were back then. A hundred percent. The Southeast Counties League is what it was called back in the day when we, and I even to this day, I can remember we used to play our reserve games at Berry, and we played Arsenal and Ian Wright played that day. I think they won 3-0, but there's me as a 16-year-old playing against Ian Wright, who was like an absolute Premier League legend. You're just in awe and they kind of showed you what you're inspiring to be. Um, so, yeah, um, that's one thing I think that they have to suss out is the games programme. That's why, for me, Cat 1 is better than Cat 2, because at least in Cat 1, you are playing the top, top players in the country, which is not always the case in Cat 2. George Burley there when you when you signed for the academy? Yeah, it was George Burley was in charge, although I didn't have much to, to, to do with him as such. Um, there was actually quite a big squad. Us as a youth team were, were, were quite, we, although we were on the same site, we were quite separate in our own ways. Um, but yeah, I don't think he lasted too long into that season before then a change um, had been made and Joe Roll came in. And this was all under David Sheepshanks, our chairman, who to this day, one, one the biggest compliment I can pay him, whether you know, he, he goes down well with fans or not. Is is what a true gentleman. He knew everybody's name, and I'd come, but I'd come from Turkey where there's the, there is hierarchy, big hierarchy, and you know you respect your elders and then the seniors, but they look down at you a little bit. They don't know your name, and it's not. And I've come in, I've got the chairman in front of me that for the first time I walked past me, past him, and he knew my name, and I just couldn't believe that he knew everyone's name and he treated everybody with with respect from what I saw but so the changes were made George Burley left and then Joe Roll came in with Willie Donerkey. Um yeah two two and a bit years under him he offered me my first ever pro contract um off the back of uh, a good finish to a season a good start to a season but I think the difference with me to a lot of the other players was that I was only on a year's contract anyway and I started to generate a little bit of interest I actually found an article KD I forgot to send it to you when I was back home the other week um, where it got mentioned that it was, I was, you know, they always try and look on at 
who they're replicating IE players. And it was like the next Kieran Dyer, Adamate signed his pro contract. <laughs> like, who would have thought that I'd be sat here talking to him as a good friend and uh, and looking back at some articles? I don't know who said that, but how far? Probably because we both weighed seven stone at the time. Um, yeah, no. So I got my first pro contract with him, and I'd worked so hard for it. And the one thing I can relate to, or help guide and help players over the years, is that I know what it took to get to that point in, in as a scholar. Uh, I got called up for Turkey at, at, at 18s and 21s level, albeit just friendlies. But um, I felt I'd done quite well up to then. And then I took my foot off the ball. I stopped doing my extras. I thought I had time on my hands. And people then go ahead of you. And I didn't deserve the next contract. And rightly so, I was, I was released from the football club. So it was a big learning lesson for me. But um, my whole time there was under pretty much under Joe Rawl and, and, and Willie Donachie. And then um, the biggest influence on my career as a player and as a coach uh, and as a person is, is Brian Clue, without doubt, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, and uh, um, what, a, what a true, true legend of our football club he is. Um, and he, he always goes unnoticed, but um, we'll obviously hopefully talk about him a bit later on. But... Um, yeah, big influence on my time when I was a when I was a scholar there. And if you could impress Brian, that meant something. He's not someone that would give a good well done every single training session or anything like that. But when you did well and you got that nod from him, that 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 had a big impact. That meant something. I think it's pretty unique in your time at Ipswich as a player. You had Liam Manning, Gerard Nash, Chris Hogg, Scott Mitchell, and you all gone the coaching route. And, uh, well, Liam and Hoggy came third in League One, doing really well. Obviously, Mitch has stopped the coaching and gone into the recruitment. I think he's helping with the first team at Ipswich recruitment. And now you go into a Cat One club. So did they inspire you to go coaching? Or... You know what, the, 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 I'm paying tribute here to, to Brian from the times that I was there as a player and then during my time as a coach. But it wasn't Brian I stayed in touch with when I left the football club. So we had a real strong core of academy players that stayed good friends um and when i left the football club i stayed in touch with scott mitchell uh, i'll refer to him as mitch as, as most of us do uh, liam manning scott barron um and um then there were others that were that were that were fringe we had some irish boys and billy clark Cathal lord and shane supple obviously became our number one for a little while uh, older than us was 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 Hoggy Matt Bloomfield who had a bit of time at the club and then obviously legend of, of Wickham who I'm still in touch with now but there was a good core of us that stayed in touch and whilst I was living in Turkey it was Liam Manning that actually prompted me to go look you, you should start considering the coaching route I'm here Gerard Nash is here so Liam Manning's we're chatting on MSN and he's like look you should consider coming back get ahead of the game get your, get, get, get your B licence going through the PFA and come back so I made a very um, uh, uh, tough but wise decision to, to leave Turkey, cancel my contract, terminate it, and uh, I left within the day. I booked my flight and I left, flew out of there. Came back and um, at the time, I think it was um, Tony Humes, who's now over at Colchester. I think he was at the time the academy manager because I think it was Jim Magilton as first team manager with Brian as his assistant. I think Steve Foley was there as well. Um, but Tony Humes was, was in charge of the academy and I'd reached out saying, can I come and start observing some sessions? And as Ipswich has always been, looks after their own family club, 
I was invited in and I just started shadow coaching Liam and, and Nashi and um, and got myself on the B license course. Um, and funny enough, on the B license was Kieran McKenna, our current manager. Um, and to be fair, I remember watching him train, do, do, do a coaching session on the, on the license, thought, well, I'm so far off being a coach. This guy seems to know what he's doing, what he's talking about, confidence, tactical input. I knew nothing at the time. Um, Justin Cochran was all changed, by the way. <laughs> well, don't say that because I've been learning off you. Uh, <laughs> uh, Justin Cochran, another one that was on the course, who's recently gone from Man United to uh, to Brentford, I believe. Um, so it was a good core um, uh, core number of um, players trans, trans transitioning into uh, coaching. Um, but I got my B license done. I did six months voluntary work. Um, and I was living in Cambridge at the time, so it was coming up the A14, off my own back, watching how they did things until an opening in, in the schoolboy uh, programme came about. And uh, it did at the end of the season, although there was many changes. And at the time, the academy manager changed. And under nine's coaching position was going where I joined up with uh, a gentleman that some may not know, but Mickey Banthorpe, who's still around at the club now, and um, partnered up with him as the under nine's coach. And in that team, and I think the only one now left because Bailey's obviously just recently left was uh, Tommy Hughes. So Tommy Hughes, Bailey Clements, um, as, as two that the fans will, will know by name, um, that were part of what I felt was my first coaching group as, as the under nines. Um, so then after that, it was um, still living in Cambridge. I did four years uh, traveling up the A14 to come and, and do my sessions with the nines. The following year I had the tens. Um, and then, uh, and then 11s, I did some development centers in, in Walsham and in Cambridge. And then, uh, four years later, um, it was then, uh, the triple P was introduced where more full-time roles, uh, were, were, were available. And, and we'd, we'd gone to Tottenham to get Brian Clue back to our academy because we felt things needed to change and, um, for the better. And Brian came back and, and. I'd shown my commitment over the four years with my traveling and whatnot and was eager to learn. And I was offered the, the foundation phase lead role. Uh, within the foundation phase, um, players that now were in the youth team or fringe first team now, the likes of Cameron Humphreys. Um, I've got to remember there's so many of them now. Uh, Tommy Smith, who's recently left there from day one. Tawanda Torreira was there from day one. Um, Liam Gibbs, who I know has obviously gone over to Norwich. Fraser Alexander. Um, probably few players that I've, I've, I've even forgotten to, to, to mention there, but um, there was a good cohort of kids that I've seen grow up at the academy uh, whilst I've, I've been on my own journey as a coach. Um, but yeah, going back to it, Liam Manning was probably my biggest reason of coming back because he was the one that instigated it all really. So um, what's scary to, to, to think is that, that whilst Brian has kind of been your, your puppet master in terms of looking after us all and, 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 and guiding us. Um, at one point, we had myself, Kieran was even there, Titus, we had Chris Hogg, Liam Manning, Gerard Nash, Lee O'Neill, uh, Scott Mitchell, who's also done some coaching, James Krause, who many might not know, but obviously was a Youth Cup winner. But what they might not know is he's now at Arsenal, part of their analysis team in the first team. And he he, he was on board. We had, a, we had a massive group of staff and it was unique Sorry. to Unique. Sorry, David, David Wright. David Wright, another one who's with Liam at MK Dons now. Um, 
Scoey, Mickey Stockwell, um, Jason Lee, Lee Norfolk, Jason Dazelle, Lee Norfolk, who I know has got a great stat. Uh, the first New Zealander to play in the Premier League, I believe. He's, he's, that he's, man knows that. Come he, on, you'll know better than me. Yeah. So we had a, a, a massive cohort of people that had been associated to the football club at some level as a player. And it was really unique and actually formed a real strong bond amongst the, the academy in terms of um, helping players, understanding the levels. And people could bounce off each other because everyone had experienced something different from Premier League level to getting promoted, to being relegated, to getting to scholarship level, being released at 16, 18 in my case. Um, so it was, it was really unique. But the, the, the father figure of, of all of that, whether people have had fallouts or have had good times, was, was Brian. And he's, 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 he's been a massive influence on it all. And he's not just developed players over the years, but now he can look at the fact that he's developed um, coaches and staff as well now under, under his CV. And it's, it's... For the fans out there, and I get asked this all the time, well, I ask this all the time, what makes a good coach? I've got my own personal opinions on this because obviously it's about your own values and beliefs. Um, and I say this to anyone, for me, it's about that connection and that rapport that you can build with a player, first and foremost. I could have the best, and I don't, and, and, and I realised when Kieran started uh, working with me how far tactically away I was from the 11 v 11 game and I learned so much off him through our times together. Um, but one thing I felt I, I, I had to my own advantage was the ability to connect with players, build a rapport, make them feel valued, make them feel like they are being listened to and then look to improve and work with them. And I know you can't please everybody. At the end of the day, I was having to pick players as well to play in a game at youth team level as well, where you're going, it is about development as much as trying to teach them how to win games and the winning mentality. And you can't please everybody. But I'd like to think that I gave time to every player that, that was associated to, to our programme. So for me, the most important thing is having empathy, having a connection with players and, 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 and actually giving them the time to, to be able to speak and listen to them. Do you remember our first interaction on the kind of on a training pitch or on a football pitch? So we, you lot play Cardiff away and you had Jack Lancaster and Brett McGavin. Yeah. And Craig Stop. Bellamy was doing the Cardiff 18. So I went to watch that game. And uh, Alan Lee was the manager of the 18s and Cardiff had a good team. Bellas was a good coach. And I thought, let me go and watch the 16s for a bit. And my first impression of ads as a coach was, they're useless. <laughs> you can remember I did the tea talk for you after I did an inspiration. I think we were even losing 1-0 and you had this big, um, the being your bonnet around Brett not 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 getting forward or not running, yeah, yeah exactly. and I think we even changed shape. It may have been either we were a dime or something. And all of a sudden, I think Brett may have even scored or got the assist, but he actually bombed forward. Um, yeah. yeah, and then obviously Kieran claimed to have won the game, or because I think we went and won that, and he, did win. he claimed the win. He claimed how he influenced it at half time, but <laughs> I just had the skill set to acknowledge that there's experience <laughs> next to me. And I should. I, I should, wasn't experienced. Uh, I had no coaching back. No experience in terms of playing. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I like to think that I was. Uh, that was a good lesson for me to learn to go look. You know, you've got to give ownership to other people sometimes and give them the chance. So that summer, after that first encounter, Brian goes, "I'd like to talk to you," and I was like, "Okay." And he was like, "I want you to uh, assist ads." I think it was sixteens. 
and I'm thinking to myself, he wants me to assist. <laughs> <laughs> You're winding me up here, don't you? And then uh, I agreed, and then the rest was history. The amount of coaches that are out there, and it's the same for ex-players, actually. It's wrong to separate this. It is hard to get into the world of coaching, especially in academies. There's, Although there's more full-time jobs now, it's not that easy. And the commitment to go into it, when at part-time levels where you've got people that are doing other jobs, they're then demanded to come in and um, work in the evenings, work weekends. Um, the pay is not great. They do it for the love of the club and the love of the players that are there. Um, and to climb the ladder as such as a coach from starting at the bottom, which I certainly did as a volunteer and in development centres and, and, and so on, um, that was, I want to say, that was maybe eight years into my journey that I'd grafted to get to that point. So I was sat there going, but bro, with Brian saying to me, yeah, Kieran is an assistant. I was thinking, that's a win for me. I'm coming home going, you know, he's my assistant now. Kieran Dyer, ex-England, Newcastle, Premier League player. <laughs> oh, that was brilliant for me. So when I joined as a, as a player under Brian, this, that coach was king. Whatever coach said you did. It didn't, and that was the same for managers. Whoever was our manager at the time is, you did whatever you were told to do and you didn't really ask why. It's probably why, in terms of my, my knowledge, didn't always understand maybe what I was, was doing sometimes on the pitch. Bri was slightly different. He would, he would try and explain to you things really, really well. But in terms of that respect, it was ne you never questioned anything. If you come off the pitch, you paid respect. If you weren't pitch, you paid respect. Now that's different. Now you do need to explain the whys more often. Kids do want to know. And there is a little bit of sense of entitlement when actually they haven't done too much to entitle themselves to playing more or and there is more competition but I think that's the biggest change is you you do have to understand what player needs what because they've all come from different backgrounds different experiences some have been the big fish in a small pond some the opposite and you have to know how to manage them because at the end of the day this is the thing I go back to and I know players can make it at a young age but they are kids and you never stop learning and developing so um in terms of the whole concept of being a hothead for either of us is that you just had to, you wanted to give them different experiences. So if there was a time to raise your voice slightly and show you being a little bit more assertive and stern and, and, and because whatever they've done is not acceptable, then that's fine because they might get that in the real world when they go into the pro game, the senior game. And if they've never been exposed to it, you're setting them up to fail already. We call them non-negotiables now. There's some things that are just non-negotiable. And the players buy into it. So you sit them down before the start of the season. You all come in with a, well, yeah, I hate the word in a way, a culture. How we want a 23s or 18s to look like with standards. The players agree to it. And they're non-negotiables then. So if players are not hitting these standards, whether timekeeping, uh, effort on the training pitch, then we'll come down on, on them like a ton of bricks. Because... I always use, I did a good presentation. He was, he didn't know where I was going with it. And I was just putting all my achievements of what I had done by the time I was 20. And then, and I just said, and I didn't fulfill my potential because once I played in the first team, my standards dropped. So I know if you don't have standards, you are done. You, you were at the club under a, under a number of managers and, and what managers did you think that actually you took some of their tools and tried to adopt them yourselves? That's a good question. Um, so it's fair to say that it wasn't until I turned full time where then you have a better relationship with the people that are in the building full time. Um, so 
that was at the point of Paul Jewell changing. Um, and I think in this order, Paul Jewell, and then, it, then obviously Mick McCarthy came in with TC. And probably those two um, with their staff, um, that was the best period I had in terms of, uh, I know Kieran don't like the word, but an environment and a culture. He taught me that, not that there's more to life than football, which is true, but we, we football tends to be our lives. So, you know, you, you wear your heart on your sleeve and, 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 and there are highs and lows and people say try and get a happy medium, but it is difficult when you care so much. And we, we, don't, we never saw our work as work, we saw it as our life and a passion for the football club, a love for the football club. Um, but what, what, what Mick McCarthy and TC taught us was that how you treat people in the environment, treat everybody the same, with the same respect, same dignity, um, that is more important than a win or a loss or a draw or a weekend. And it didn't matter how the team performed or whether we won, we lost or drew. When he came in the next day, his routines were unbelievable in the gym, um, but he treated everybody the same. You know, he, he, always a big thing was around shaking hands, and which sounds a bit weird because of our experiences with COVID, etc. But back then it was the norm, but it was, didn't matter who you were, make a point of saying hello to you. And you had to say hello back. And it was just that res he, he had respect and you knew he was in charge and the boss. Uh, he was the alpha, weren't he? He was the alpha he, dog. He was the alpha male. You knew but he was not, the alpha. But not with, not, a, yeah, not yeah, with an gonna... ego, not with a, it, it, it was just done in the right way. And I think if, if ever, if ever I was lucky enough to be in that type of position, that'd be the first thing I want people to say about me and the environment is, what a good guy, what a good person. He speaks to everybody. Everybody's treated the same, the same respect and that. And he would dig out people if they weren't doing it. I, I mean, some of the times we had people come into the football club, into the canteen where you, you can't, it was like a social room as well at times in the late afternoons. If they were on their phone in the canteen, they won't even know the rules. The death stare you'd get was scary. I, I, I'd be straight out the room. <laughs> I, would, I wouldn't want to be around it. Um, but yeah, that was, that was a really good time. And, and, uh, and you know, he, testament to them i know it quick one sorry to cut in ads um you're talking about he always wanted this happy medium fans will be watching this and listen to this where was the happy medium at carrow road they'll be saying I, I, do you know what on that, the ups with the downs you said he likes it so yeah and, that, and that's that's the hard thing for yeah, me the, the yeah, fan and as an employee to see um the negatives that were out there around that time and then obviously that the the, the led to his departure um i've never seen a, a group of staff be close to tears with their goodbyes it was a real strange time because he had to stay on as well chose to stay on and he, even he admits it was a bit strange but um genuinely don't know what took place there and how that was well i know how that was perceived by fans but if you were working under him or with him day in day out you, you'd know that 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 wasn't the intentions is is what i want to believe I only see Mick McCarthy and TC in a good light. And if that one little thing is to is tarnish his I think that's wrong um, because how he treated us every single day. And by the way, I was, I'm not doing disservice to the job I, I did back then, but I was with the, the nines to 11s or nines to 12s of lead foundation. You know, he doesn't have to give me the time and day. He's, you know, he's not going to see players come through, but, you know, the longevity of managers isn't that long. So, but he just gave me time and day. How, who did you play against at the weekend? How did you get on? You know, breakfast. Everyone was included. It was inclusive. It was it was great. And um, 
obviously everyone works differently. So I haven't really got an answer to that, KD. But for me, on a personal level and a, and, and a work colleague, uh, amazing guy to work under. And I'd, I'd love, again, to, to be able to cross paths with him. Um, but then after that, again, I'm going to sound a little bit controversial because I don't think it went down too well at the end of it anyway with, with the fans in terms of Paul Hurst and, and, and Doigie's time at the football club and with maybe some players. But... Wow, what a great pair and they were as well. Okay, forget results, forget what happened and all that kind of stuff. But in terms of how we were treated as staff, as Ipswich family staff, um, they were brilliant for us. And that was when me and KD, I want to say we were doing the 18s then. Uh, we, 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 we got moved offices into a lovely lush office next to them. Um, and they gave us uh, the time and day to listen to us, listen to our experiences. Doigie would come out with the youth team in the afternoons. He'd put his tactical input on things to try and mirror up how we wanted the groups to be pressing tactically. Um, we'd have football discussions in the room. He asked about the kids. He, he, there was an interest from Paul Hurst, the manager, and Doigie around the youth team and the players. And again, I can only go by my experiences. And they were positive ones with them. Um, and then... Remember. God. Good story. So we played uh, Sudbury in a pre-season friendly and uh, the youth team hadn't done well the season before and we played an unbelievable game and Daigie and Hursty come to watch and we won 2-0. Dob scored uh, one of his jinky runs, smashes one in the top corner. But Idy was, weren't he, Idris? Idy was unbelievable. But Eddie gets sent off in the last 15 minutes. A player squares up to him and puts his head in him. So Eddie kind of nudges him off, gets sent off. So we're coming to the change rooms afterwards. And uh, <laughs> Hursty goes into the shower area. So he's out of the way, but he wants to hear how we're going to approach it. So we... Uh, we ignored it. It was dug Yeah, we ignored it. We just wanted to focus on it was a good performance. This is the And uh, he comes in and he's like, how come you haven't fucking slaughtered him and da 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 and like he was having a bit out with uh, BK saying he should be bloody punished for that da 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 so then uh, everyone's gone out and it's uh, me, you Daigie and uh, Idi in the changing room and Daigie said you, you've killed yourself because you would have uh, you would have been training with the first team and you would have come to the next game with us and Niddy's English is quite crap. And Niddy's like, oh, thank you, thank you. So Niddy thought, <laughs> so thought he was going with the first team. And Doggy went, no, you stupid idiot. <laughs> you you went, you've got the Scottish strong accent. Oh, you know, Niddy, part French, part Tunisian. And bless Niddy. It was one of them where we looked at it going, right, how should we manage this? We'll deal with this, yeah. it, 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 you know, on his own. Um, it, it, you know, he's moved over foreign country etc all them kind of things and I'd experienced all that so I was like right I'm going to approach it this way and then it was just frowned upon straight away and say no you should have you know you've got to nip that in the bud straight away and I, and I, I don't disagree I don't agree but it's everyone has a different approach to it and I'd had a good relationship with Viddy because of his um, time when he come over as, a, as an under 16 um, and uh, it was just yeah it was it was one of those where he just, <laughs> he just thought he was being praised it's funny because Daigi was has got the reputation of our fans of that he was the like one who was the taskmaster and but it was Hursty who was ruthless, wasn't he? Hursty had a ruthless streak about him. Really, real ruthless streak. He had to gain standards, and if people didn't meet their standards, whew, yeah, 
We didn't beat around the bush. I'd, I'd like to think with the two of them, it was it was a hard act to follow with 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 Mick and, and TC in terms of the environment culture they created, and they they were coming in to do do it their way. I'd like to think it was just wrong time, wrong place, and actually a different time. It could I'd, be a good fit. I just think it shows the importance of recruitment. Mm. They've come in, they've tried to buy players from the the lower leagues and. Listen, obviously, JD's worked out fine now. It took, took a while to get there. <laughs> but Danassian's there now. But when you're buying all them players from the lower leagues, um, yeah, recruitment's crucial. You know, the funny thing about football clubs, and I know it's been under the... the we've had David Sheepshanks, we've had Marcus Evans, they've managed this and that. No, you know, nobody does anything towards a football club with bad intentions. <laughs> I don't want it to turn out badly. And I'd, it's very quick for us to go, there's my opinion, it's wrong, change it straight away, da da da, da. But nobody, nobody at our football club over the years have, has had bad intentions to make the club worse or bad. So whether that be a coach, a manager, a member of staff, an owner, chairman, etc. Um, and the scary thing about Ipswich, it has this hold on you, this, this, this love affair. I mean, KD's... Um, been through it, left, come back, etc. I've been through the club through ups and downs, difficult times, good times, and 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 you just it, it, it's a powerful thing. The badge, what it means to us, and the fan. I see the passion of the fans now around you know the new kit, you know that the improvements being made around the stadium, things like that, and and a real feel good factor around you know next season as it should be. Um, but it has a massive hold on you. And it is hard for me, like after 17 years, 14 years as a coach, to now try some, something new, that's hard. So what my point being is nobody goes in with bad intentions. But though the early stages of my coaching career as a full-time coach with those managers, um, after that, I think we had, after Paul, was it Paul Lambert after Paul Hurst? Yeah. Um, and then, um, obviously, most, most, most recently... Um, Skip Paul Lambert then. Well, I, I want to go back to I want to go back to Paul Hurst, and I kind of want to ask: Did did player power win there? I wasn't a player, so I wouldn't know. <laughs> um, did player power win? No, I I wouldn't say no. I wouldn't say yes. That's a that's a difficult one for me to answer. I've got good relationship with the players that were there at the time. Um, it's hard when you're a coach; you see things from a coach's perspective even though you know how it can feel being a player in certain situations, being left out or not left out. And, and again, I go back to it. The coaches wanted the best for what they deemed was the right way moving forward. And I think the hardest thing is to, is, you see it now at Man United, the managers have gone in since, since Ferguson's time. They, they've gone in with the right intentions, thinking they'll make a difference. And it's deemed at the time when they leave that it, it wasn't. And people are getting battered and slated for then it's recruitment, then it's this, then it's that. And it is, it's not that easy to actually get the right environment, the right recruitment of staff, the right recruitment of players, to have the right support, the right financial support. And then you can have all the financial support, but you've got to make the right decisions. And even the most experienced can make, have good intentions on a good decision, on a, on a decision, but it, it not turn out the way you want it to turn out. So to get it all right, to gel it all together is, is really, really hard. So I go back to, I just, Maybe too many players in at one time. I would say that. Um, but that's just my observations. Um, but in terms of their intentions, they were good intentions, and they, on my perspective, they were good to us. When when you became under eighteen manager, uh, that was your your first season in charge was was two thousand eighteen nineteen. 
when did you first hear that you were going to be appointed into that role? Because obviously we had that transition from from Mick McCarthy to Paul Hurst. No, do you know what? Each role that I've I've then um, taken, I've actually had to go through like players do a trial period, like actual trial period. So 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 after um, the Triple B started. Other than the foundation phase role, where then we were, I was appointed, Liam Manning was leader, youth development phase, Nashi was then PDP, Russell Osman, another one, legend of the football club, Terry Butcher, sorry, another one that's been on the coaching staff. Um, so we had a good core of um, coaches then, and that's probably the one time that I didn't really have to trial. Liam then gets headhunted and moves on to West Ham, all right? Um, so then it's a case of, right, well, who knows the environment inside out? Well, that was me at the time. Um, so... I then start overseeing the the 16s and um, this was before Kieran had, had come in because I had spent six months working with George Williams, Garen, and, and that was great learning experience as well. And um, But they wouldn't give it to me straight away. And I think this was Lee and Brian together were like, look, we're not sure. Give it a go. We'll, we'll make a decision at the end of the summer. And... Um, Looking back now, I can see why, because as a young coach who cares about the players, he thinks that every decision should go through him and coaches make all the decisions. I probably at that time hadn't learned how to work as a, as a team of staff more from recruitment to sports science to, to many other areas. And I wanted to give my opinion on, on players and, and probably uh, had a few conflicts with staff around that. So probably a bit worried that actually I could have upset the balance a bit. So again, I had to earn the right. I felt like I was a player again, right? I have to prove myself. I have to earn the right. I put the hours in like I always did for the football club. And uh, I then get the 16s. Well, same was for the 18s. Again, it was, all right, there's a natural, but let's see how you get on. Um, and this was the point where then it was, it was highlighted that I needed some more experience around me. Maybe not in terms of coaching, because now I've got some yards under my belt. It was now about Kieran that played the game, come through the program, come through the system, played at the highest level, etc. To have alongside me, so it was a kind of a there's your there's your <clears throat> elite level player in terms of experiences and having been there, done it, and then there's me that's got the coaching ground in, putting on practices and sessions and that. And now could we could we merge that together? So for me, it was still a trial period um, until then. Um, they Brian and Lee were happy that actually I could I could get on with it. But I've always felt the same as a player. I've always felt I've had to prove myself to people. And I don't mind that. I don't mind playing the underdog card. I don't mind, you know, that, that whole thing. I, I've, got to, I've got to show people. I've got, I've got to do it. So it's easy me talking about it. But, and, I, and I felt I did that. My biggest advantage, again, the players coming through, I'd had most of them at eight, nine, ten. So that connection with players was all, already there. And I was able to hit the ground running, working with them. And I'd like to think they were pleased that I was trying to help them. And then add in a Kieran Dyer experience and others that were around us. I think it made for a, a good partnership. What, what did you say when Kieran came up to you and said that he was leaving? He was going off um, to, do, to develop, you know, go on some professional courses and stuff. Um, I was gutted because I felt I was losing, this is selfishly, I was losing an insight into the tactical game. And the biggest complaint I could make Kieran in terms of his coaching is that he sees things on the pitch very quickly and knows the solutions very, very quickly. Probably his biggest frustration is when he, when he, when he translates that to the players and they can't then straight away do it. That's probably where his frustrations build. Um, but I was losing that. So I was like, right, I'm now going to have to maybe practice on my own as such, see if I've learned off him. Um, but to move on, to go and develop yourself, 
with other experiences that you might not be getting yourself when you're at the football club, you, you, you can't, you can't, um, you can't hold people back for that. Um, I, I look back, you know, from Liam Manning going to West Ham, from Brian and his time at Tottenham, from KD with, with his time with, with Anderlecht and even with the national camps, um, people are trying to better themselves. Um, and, and, and that's probably where I'm at now is I've spent 14 years as a coach developing under so many different members of staff. And that's the other thing as well. I've not, I've not just been there 14 years and I've done my time. No, no, no. I'd love to stay on at the football club. Um, but it's about how I can keep developing myself and improving myself. Now, if I've never gone and seen Cat 1 or, or coached within Cat 1 Premier League environments with different staff around as well that have got wealths of experiences. That's what I'm excited about is that how can I really keep bettering myself? Especially I can't go, there's not too many courses I can go on now. I've done pretty much all of them. I can't go on a pro license because I'm 18's um, coach. You know, they want more senior staff. So the, 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 for me, this is this is my opportunity. So um, yeah, looking back at your Kieran's and, and Liam's and Brian's that have moved on to other places and Krause, et cetera, that it, I'm hoping it can only better me. So a big thing for me is, so fans watching this, and um, when I did my piece with uh, Statman and I talked about, well, I didn't actually talk about pathways, but pathways seem to be going crazy. You look at all the players who have left our football club. You mentioned Liam Gibbs, you Marcelo Flores, who's gone to Arsenal, Charlie Brown, and fans are always intrigued about the grass is not always greener. And there was one player who we can probably, I think he's the best player I worked with at the club at the time that I was there. Um, and I've been fortunate enough to work with Flynn and Andre, Ben Knights. How good was Ben Knights? Hard one. It, what was difficult for me was I, I, I didn't have anything to compare against in terms of other clubs, other players, other than when we played against teams. And Ben, I knew as an under eight, and I remember Liam having him as an under eight and they nearly didn't offer him. Liam says this, nearly didn't offer oh. him. A, yeah, I don't think I've told you this. So back then, very different back then as under eights, you get to April time before you then go, right, these are my eight under eights that we want to select. And you play like four games, four weeks on the bounce and then they're selected. Ben was one of the worst in training in terms of managing um, as an eight-year-old, just scatty all over the place, didn't really listen, didn't really do it. And then they played these four games and he absolutely was the best player on the pitch, apparently. So I, I'm blessed. I get him in as an under nine. I'm the under 10s coach. Instantly, he's playing up and I'm seeing this kid. I'm looking at him going, I can't say this, but the way he moves, he's left-footed, he's small, he's quick, he's a dribbler. And I'm looking at him going, he's moving just like Messi. Like it was in terms of movement, body movement and that, it was just like Messi. And I'm going, this is ridiculous. You can't say that because you're talking, you're talking the, the best that's ever been, ever will be, etc. And you're like, but this kid, this is unbelievable. We've, we've got something here. So then the years progressed. And I had him, I think, for six out of the eight, eight age groups as a schoolboy. And under 14, we were playing him in the 16s, two years above his age. And we're playing against West Stands, We're playing against other teams. And he's just darting in and out of them. And it was a case of just giving the ball. Let's see what he can do. And I remember asking for some advice, coaching advice. I think it was Brian. It was like, am I doing right by this kid? What more can I do? Like training nights. Because you, you train with the same players all the time. Like you get used to who you're training up against. And when you get to a certain age, you can't bump them up even more because the 18s are in on a day. He was like, just don't mess him up. 
<laughs> that's his advice. <laughs> Just don't mess them up. Keep doing what you're doing in a way. And it was like the fact that I was thinking about it, caring about it was was a start. But he he was unbelievable. He used to. I mean, people that have left the program now as coaches. I bumped into someone the other day that was part time that had him. He's like, I'm still looking out for him. What a talent he was. He'd score bicycle kicks in training. And I'd have loved to have seen how he would have developed with us and whether he would have gone through the first team because you're talking about different leagues and sometimes there's opinions on, you know, the size of players and et cetera, et cetera. But one thing he could do was move. He could handle the ball. He was smart. And rightly, I think, he, he moves on to, to Man City and he's still there. I think he's still got another three, four years on his contract. So well, I'm, I'm hoping can remember I can sit back and see him be somebody that does make it at, at, at that level. But he's still got a long, long way to go. But he's a, he's a good kid. He was with us from day one. Another one that comes back and sees people from the football club. And again, I think that's unique to Ipswich. Can you remember the first game I did as a coach with him and who we played in pre-season? Was it, was it West Ham? West Ham. And what were their players saying after the game? I'll never, I'll never forget that. We've just played against Mini Messi. Honestly, some of the things... He, I, I, he was always younger. He was always younger than anyone he was playing against. The, the thing is, you know when there's a good player or there's a good piece of play because you hear this little screeching chuckle from a coach at any time. And Kim's like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> and that's when you know you've impressed him when he starts making these noises. <laughs> but he was... One, wait, more, wait, question. one more question on Ben Knights. And this is a big regret of mine is that because he was so great at our club, and we've talked about it was only in the 18s when we started getting this buy-in with the standards, I thought he was still a petulant little kid. And when I mean petulant, he'd spit his dummy out if he didn't get the ball or if he, if he, because it was like roll on subs. If you subbed him off and he didn't want to, he'd sit on the bench sulking like a little baby because he's only a young kid. And I think that because he was such an asset to the football club, yeah. we kind of turned a blind eye to that. Yeah. yeah. And, and then, I then, so when I've seen him with the Man City youth team, I still see that petulant side. And now at Man City, where they've got, well, we've got 10 Ben Knights. I feel, Phil, do we, have we done him a disservice? Because well, we, you don't want to upset him, so he leaves. Yeah. He left anyway, if you know what I mean. So maybe he should have been, we should have been hitting him with the standards from a 14, 15 year old to get rid of that pitch. I think context to all of that is I think that Ben maybe was the third one. We'd lo we'd lo I say lost because the th I'll, I'll go back to it. Let me just put this point out there. So fans will probably look at this and think, well, why aren't these players coming through? And why aren't the times are different now? You don't get a Kieran as often and that can come in and plays regularly like a, I think Connor Wickham was the last one that really played regularly and then was sold on and as a breakthrough um what you get is those big hitted clubs now will pick players off they know they're doing well they'll get them at 13 14 15 16 and more often than not it's that 16 before they become a scholar knowing that we've done our work with them let's get them to our club now into the full-time program so the club in a way is doing the best it can, knowing that these players at any point may end up leaving. And we, we can't control that because that's that's the powers above that go into negotiations and, and make the decisions, which is their prerogative and, and rightly so. So, but going back to Ben, we'd lost Harry Clark to Arsenal as an under 14 at the time. And then I think Charlie Brown, the year or two years before that. 
So we've now got a Ben Knight. He's regular with the England setups, all the camps, playing against all the national teams and tournaments and that. He's playing two years up, etc., a year up. And it's like, well, we don't, we want to try and keep him here. We don't want to upset the balance. Either way, if he does leave, why do we need to upset the balance? And actually, his first, in reflection, yeah, we could have and should have, but we didn't know any different. And the first time it hit me was when England, he'd been injured, so he didn't get called up whilst he was fit. So he'd returned from me, he hadn't played too many games. That was his first setback in about eight years of not, not getting his own way. Mm. So we didn't we didn't create that. That was that was a decision. I think it was Kevin Betsy at the time. I remember him. He paid respect. He came all the way to the I training. Dan Matici as well. Yeah, Dan had him as well for a bit. We were, we were actually together now, Crawley. But he came down and paid his respects to Ben and, and, and just said, look, on this occasion, because you haven't been playing and da, da 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 And you could see the disappointment. And it just made you think, going, I wish I'd managed to give him that. But looking back, at we had good relationships with the family and the parents. We Ultimately, he was our golden player and we wanted him on the pitch as much as possible. And that's where, at the time, we felt was the best thing for him. And uh, I don't disagree with what you're saying. Um, and that's probably now... In hindsight, it's easier to look back. That's how you learn as a coach sometimes is, is, is those experiences. But what works for one might not work for another as well. It's, you, can't, you can't hit the same thing with every, with, with this, with, with every player that you work with. Um, but, um, yeah, he, he was a talent. We have had – I mean, there still is some really good talent in this football club. The amazing thing is we're League One, we're Cap Two. Um, but there's still a massive interest in, in, in the players at our football club players coming through that we work with day in day out that it is down to them to break through into the first team there are always opportunities especially around this time of year where you're going into a pre-season it's up to them to break through um and time kids don't realize it but they they do need a little bit of time to 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 settle into those kind of um uh environments and breakthrough and there's season pros that you're challenging against and there's 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 running fitness running there's preseason games and there's you know you, you're talking about 40 plus games a season as well but um these kids it's the modern day society now everything is instant and they want they want instant success but there's no there's nothing instant about development and learning and improving so um that's probably the fine balance that kids have got to got to get is Cameron Humphreys the second best midfielder at the club according to you, <laughs> according to you he is I won't be going out getting a shirt with his number on the back. Let's put it that way. <laughs> but look, let's go back to Cameron Humphreys. We have this debate, right? Not around his, his, him being a second best midfielder in Kieran's opinion. I didn't play in midfield. So as a youth team in his first year with us, I did it obviously this season as a second year because he barely played in the Ains unless it was for the cup games. He was, he was in the youth cup run we had two years ago. He was a left wing back. And he still to this day ridicules me about that. And I'm just looking at going, well, hold on. If, if you're going to have a career in the game and you're going to break through into a first team, it might be like Kieran did under, I think, George Burley. You end up playing right back, in Cameron's case, as a wing back or left back. So that was my spin on it. But Does um, he like playing wing back? <laughs> he, I, I, he hated it. Well, no, he didn't hate it at the time. He realises now it was good for him. But in his second year, if I said to him I was going to play wing back, I think I would have lost all respect. Not many fans know this, but obviously in Cock... Cookie's last few games, we obviously left back was a problem area. Uh, Colson was always injured. Obviously, Cookie plays a 4 2 3 1. And um, there was a lot of talk about he thought Penny was maybe a bit too flaky, wasn't the answer. So we played a 23 game um, against Watford away. And 
I told Ads to come and do the game with me. And we sold the idea. We said, look, obviously there's Morsey, Lee Evans, Tom Carroll, Iddy. Left back is a real problem area for the manager. I think he's talking of playing Bailey a couple of games. Do you fancy yourself to be better than Bailey at left back? And he said, I think so. So I said, look, we're going to play you today. The gaffer's coming all the way up to Watford to watch the game. And we played him left back. And we won 4-1. And he run the game from left back, didn't he? He scored, he had two assists and he was going to, he would have probably been pushing to play left back for Cookie and then obviously it happened that Cookie then loses his job and the rest is history, but yeah. And another manager, by the way, which I, with the list, I, I didn't even get to him, was was Paul Cook and his staff and and, and again, um, I'm, sounding, I'm sounding too nice here, but he was great for us. He would come out every afternoon. Bear in mind, this is COVID time as well, where we, we were training in the afternoons, isolated groups, etc. <clears throat> he would come out and watch the 18s. He'd then go and watch the 23s. But he didn't influence anything. So he, he paid his respect to us. And so he goes, look, you're, you work with the kids all the time. I'm not going to get involved. I just love football. And again, he created this environment where we could bounce off each other. We could talk about football. We could learn off each other. And, and again, I'm really sad that it didn't work out for him. Um, and fans will look at it again as results and how he was in interviews and whatnot. But what a great guy again to work for. He was just, he was great for us as staff. So we've been privileged in terms of staff and what managers we've worked with, most of them. Um, it's just been a shame. It just hasn't been the right fit at the right time for some of them. Um, but, you know, all of us say, and no, no, nobody wish any, any any more than Ipswich being promoted and, and pushing on. So whoever can achieve that, um, you know, we'd, we'd all want that and good luck to them. But there have been some good people. And I know fans see it as, as, as slightly different, but I've got to pay respect to those those managers that have been in place. 18-19, your first season, uh, you finished uh, second in the Professional Development League South. That was Sheffield Wednesday, wasn't it? So we we yeah. only had to win one game out of the last three, and we couldn't win any of them. But uh, I blame I blame Nashi and Hoggy because they deliberately took all our better players for the twenty threes, even though they already won the league. <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, we, we 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 finished. We fin that was the year Craig Bellamy was doing Cardiff, wasn't it? So Cardiff, yeah. unbelievable. We, we 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 yeah we lost. We done the double over Cardiff as well. And um, we played a semi-final. So what happens is Northern Southerns, they then play a semi-final playoff. And you, if you finish second, you have to go away. So we played at Hillsborough, I think it was, against Sheffield Wednesday. We didn't have Husey. We didn't have Eddy in the team that day. Uh, I think Alfie Cutbush had an unbelievable game, but he was an under-16 start in the midfield. And then... Nunes didn't play. Nunes didn't play. Dobbs played. Bailey Dobbs, didn't play. We just couldn't score. Dylan Crowe didn't one play. They had one penalty. I think that was the only shot. And they score it and we dominate. It was a classic academy phrase where we were the better team. We dominated the ball, created most chances, but we didn't win the game. Um, and we lost to Watford that year in the fifth round of the FA Youth Cup as well. Uh, we were humbled that day. I know you've spoken about that in the past, but we were, we were humbled that day thinking we had an unbelievable team with Dobbs and Idia's 10s, Husey in the team. And and yeah, we, a few mistakes, but we, 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 we got humbled that day 4-1, which was a good learning curve for us as coaches. Um, but a relatively good season in terms of results with kids then looking to push on and progress with contracts and whatnot. So it, it was a good year. It was an enjoyable year for, for, for us and the players, to be fair. So when, when you went into that, that interim management, obviously John, John McGrill came in and we, we spoke about that in depth there. But what, what was the impact 
for the under 18s obviously you know what did you have to sort of wear two hats at the time ads i'm trying to think so i think i then um assisted I started, BK yeah in the I supporting the 23s it was one of them situations where um you as a member of start and and i think i got to a point where i was one of the longest serving coaches at the football club and i, I say that because brian obviously had his experiences for three years at tottenham if brian's obviously missed the ipswich so but i was i was close to being the longest serving coach so i got to a point where i pretty much coached every age group except the under 23s and it was a opportunity to support whatever was needed at that time to make sure that the club were were doing the right things and helping out and no matter who was in charge of us over the years from managers to, to owners to CEOs etc you do what's right by Ipswich Town um, and again I go back to the love and affinity we have with the football club um, you do anything for it and I and I am I am a fan as well, and it's it, in a way people might look at it and go, "It's a little bit sad," and isn't that? But like for the players that are at that football club, and the badge and the shirt and that, we we go above and beyond. A lot of staff do. There are there are laundry ladies that have to, you know, that 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 are there every day of the week that, that put through the amount of kit and that going on. This kit and and they don't get the best salaries in the world. But they're there because they love the people that they're working with or the players, seeing the players come through. I mean, one of the laundry ladies I knew was a, as a, when I was a scholar. Um, so my role in that moment was to do whatever was, was needed um, with an opportunity to make sure I didn't lose an under-23s game. Otherwise, I wouldn't hear the last of it from him because <laughs> they were on a good run. <laughs> how, how did you get on? I, we, I think we played Colchester at the stadium. Was it? Was it around then, or that was when you were? First game was Charlton. You drew. Then you smashed Colchester. That's when I found out about my liver. Yeah. Um, and then you started. I, to I, had, I had a good. I had a good record uh, whilst taking the under twenty threes. I didn't. I didn't. I don't think I got a loss. I got one loss actually, but that was when I was doing it with John. Um, <laughs> game against Hull, I think it was. But so that yeah. So I was quite pleased with my record there. Let's take you to the 2020-21 season and straight to the semi-finals of the FA Youth Cup. Um, I kind of like to know what what your reaction and, and what the the players' reactions were when they realised that um, Liverpool were coming and you know playing at Portman Road live on BT Sport. So looking back at it now, I think that what you've said there, Liverpool BT Sport live going out to the to the nation, etc. And I think that kind of overwhelmed them a little bit and, and they probably got too focused on, on uh, the occasion. Um, but that whole season, what 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 was great about that year was um, the players having um, had the difficulty, like everyone in the world around not being in the building and this and that and the, the travel with masks and, and, and no change rooms, all that kind of stuff. We, we go on this, this run with no fans in stadiums we go in at round one as well, because when you get relegated from the championship, I didn't realise this, but now all of a sudden you're entering the Youth Cup at round one, which had never happened to Ipswich before. Um, so I was under pressure every time to make sure we didn't get knocked out in the first three rounds because that was just going to be embarrassing. Um, we get through the three rounds and our first game that year, I think, was against South End, So it wasn't an easy game to play. Um and we get through that round. We get through round two, Chelmsford. Round three then was Fulham at Portman Road. Brian actually goes down ill. At the time, we weren't too sure what it was, but he was ill, so he wasn't there. 
and now I'm going back to acknowledgement from Brian how important it was because I never fe felt I always got that acknowledgement working as a coach even it was it's hard to kind of please but if you do well you, you know it means something so I got Kieran telling me because Fulham were top of the table unbeaten I think they went on to win their Southern League that year as well and they think in the Nationals they lost to only Man City so we're playing against Fulham and um We've got Harley Curtis, who's had an in come back from an injury, so I, I, he couldn't last the 90, so I couldn't start him. And then we're playing uh, at Portman Road. I think that, that was the point where we were allowed, whoever was in the squad was allowed one parent to come. So even if you're out the squad, parents weren't allowed, and then just staff. Um, two nil down after 25 minutes, and I'm thinking, this is embarrassing. This is the end of our, at least it's Fulham, but this is the end of our youth cup run. And I probably did something that, and I apologise to him for doing it because there's two ways of looking at it. You're going, this is development. So you give players the opportunity and 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 um, you don't want to embarrass anyone. But we're 2-0 down. I need to take the striker off, Ola at the time, and bring on Harley. And I thought to myself, I can wait to half time, but it could be 3-0. Or I bring Harley on, he gets a feel for the game and then we can have our chat and then we can go out all guns blazing second half. So I took him off um, and he took it on the chin. Brilliant great character uh, to, 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 to Ola there. Um, and we get our first shot on goal after about 40 minutes. <coughs> Sorry. And um, we go back out and then, yeah, we get an early goal with Brooklyn. Unbelievable header, best header of his career. We then get to the last minute and um, we get a penalty. <coughs> Harley Curtis wins it. Uh, we score that. And then I think he gets the winner. <coughs> One second. <coughs> And he gets the winner. So um, we go free to and I come back in the change room. Eventually I turn my phone on and I've got this message from Brian. And it's a message of kind of, I wouldn't have done what you did. Well done. Because I, I, I had to play a certain formation that day as well, which I, I didn't want to do. But I had to do it because it was the right thing to do in terms of the management of the whole football club. Um, but after being 2-0 down, I changed shape to Kieran's favoured 3-5-2. Cameron Humphreys, the wing back, etc. And um, and that kind of set us on our run of playing that formation. But I got the acknowledgement of Brian on a text message. We watched it on 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 live feed, and that meant something. And I thought to myself that I've had ten years, well, yeah, eleven years now coaching, and that was the first time I felt right. Now I'm starting to become an all right coach. <laughs> um, and then obviously we get drawn with Swindon at home, decent tie. We win that. We go to Borough, where again Cat won, tough opponents. Um, underdogs we go there we get a 1-0 win Albie who again had been with us from the I hadn't mentioned him Albie Armin been with us at the age of eight left the under nine end of under nine season to go back to grassroots because his dad wanted him to win some cup games like cup tournaments if you like and we you know we, we allowed him back in a year later um, but been with us from the start he gets the winner and all, all the while Jason Dazelle supported me on this run as well because he was in twice a week and what a guy in terms of, I say, connecting with players. This guy's got it like to a T. He might not be the best coach in terms of putting on a session, but what 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 a, what an environment he can create. The players love him. I think if you were to put a group of coaches in front of players and, and Dozer's in there and you go, which is your favourite coach? They go straight to Dozer every time. Every time. He just made you feel on top of the world. You could have a laugh with him. You could give him a bit of banter. So he was really important to that group as well. We, we beat Borough, great trip back. Um, I think that was the... And then quarterfinals is then Sheffield United, who are our 
in a way, a bit of a Achilles heel up until that point because they are your top runners, uh, no-nonsense football, hard to play against, score goals, players breaking into the first team, quite confident. And it was like, right, this is two cat twos going at it. We fancy ourselves, we're at home, but we have to be on it. We have to get this right. And it was an unbelievable game. We get concussions. There was about 45 minutes delay, 45 minutes of concussion delay. Goalkeeper lost after minute one. And then we go 1-0 up in the second half. We then 2-1 down. And again, the character of the group, and the group was, you had Elkan Baggett in there as a, as a um, centre of a three. Albie at the left of him. Either Brooklyn or Cameron Stewart, um, depending on who was fit, etc. Ben Wiz and Edwin as your right wing backs. Uh, Cameron Humphries as your left wing back. Then a great core of Fraser Alexander, whose work goes unnoticed. Yeah, Alfie Cutbush and Liam Gibbs with then Harley Curtis and Zander. Where's so, Tuanda? So where's Tuanda, man? <laughs> Tuanda and I have got this lovely love-hate relationship. He hates me every time I don't pick him or I take him off. <laughs> I like to think he loves me all the other times. I love him no matter what. What a great kid. And again, from the age of eight. And, you know, we over the years, we've had to pick him up with, when we have minibuses running and, and, and bring him to training. And, and great, great character. And I do wish him the best. But that youth cut run didn't involve him starting in games. And uh, Kieran keeps reminding me of that because obviously an unbelievable season last year, scoring a ridiculous amount of goals and fully deserves it. But, I didn't play him for certain reasons. I didn't feel he would um, run enough defensively as well. And we were not always dominating the ball, um, but he didn't feature in the starting lineup, which is scary to think. But he was also competing against Liam Gibbs, who was at the time playing in 23s football as well. So, um, yeah, so we play this game. We get a, we get a last-minute equaliser through Elkan and we go on into extra time. Cameron Humphreys decides to give me the two fingers up about playing left wing back, ends up in the right wing position, makes a forward run, puts a cross in own goal, we get through into the semi-finals. And the group, the club, were going through some tough moments in terms of like results. We weren't doing too well in the league. I think Paul Lambert had just left. Paul Cook had just come in. Paul Cook and um, Robbo come charging into the changing rooms, celebrating with the players, adds to the, the whole... Uh, um, celebrations that, that that culture and environment of everyone in it together um and that was great to see Dozer getting soaked with water bottles and everything and the club hadn't got to this stage of the competition since probably when they won it um and I still believe it's one of the hardest achievements or, or proudest achievements because League One EFL Cat Two only Premier League clubs and Cat Ones get to those stages of the competition and there we are facing Liverpool in the well, semi-final. Watford, Watford did it one year as well, didn't they? Watford yeah, lost. They, to my point being, they've been Premier League though, haven't they? It could have yeah, been that year. We we were we were when I know we had Aston Villa on the other side against West Brom, Liverpool, and Ipswich, and it was just absolutely brilliant. And for me, the biggest joy I got from it was there was this group of players where I think I counted it was eight out of the eleven that I'd had as eight or nine year olds in the foundation phase that then were playing in this competition. That doesn't include the subs. They were playing in this competition for the club they loved, with a coach that loved the football club and still does. And we're playing in the semi-final of an FA Youth Cup, live on BT Sport. And yeah. then in that, we go 1-0 up. And I don't even know how to celebrate. And I'm a little bit shocked. And I'm, I'm, I've looked back at the celebration. It's so cheesy. And I'm going in at halftime going, we're 1-0 up. 
like, and they haven't created too many. They've, they've hurt us, but we're all right. And um, second half, we just couldn't. Liverpool were just animals. They, they, they changed their style of playing, compliment to the boys. We thought we needed to defend a little bit higher with two pushed back. They'd actually gone in at half-time and said, right, you've got to be more direct, go over them more. So we actually played into the hands without realising it. And the yeah, the quality shone through and they, they, they end up winning 2-1. But what an unbelievable run. And I think that's given a lot of the players that foundation to actually have belief that they can compete with these Cat 1s or Premier League standard players coming through and youth setups. We have got kids that are good enough. And hopefully... Over the next few years, we'll see some of them come through into into Ipswich's first team. You also got a. I don't think he even started work yet, but Mark Ashton texted you after the game when you beat Sheffield United, didn't he? And saying congratulations. Yeah, we're very very proud because it. You know, it, a lot of things were happening, obviously, mm. and it was it was. People were saying, I'm not saying it because of me, but people were saying it was the only positive thing that was going on with with the club, with, with that youth cup run, a lot of people following it. Cause obviously we had, and this was all done with no one in, in, in the stadium. I'd love to have known how many fans would have come to that semi-final game with, with the fact that the first team hadn't been doing well. And the other thing as well, which we were playing with, I mean, I had, I had Gerard Boapo yeah, playing his second stadium game of his life. The first one was Sheffield United. We had injuries. We had no Harley. We had no Zander. We had no, um, uh, I think it was Brooklyn that was injured. Uh, goalkeeper Anthony was out injured. Ben Wiz then got injured. And Tamanda still couldn't get a game. Midfield, <laughs> all right. And, um, <laughs> and uh, one day I'll get a told you so message from Tamanda. <laughs> and um, I've had Nico starting as an under 16. Gerard, I didn't even realise, had never been to Portman Road. He turned up, he had to ask somebody where to go because he didn't know where to go to the changing rooms. So all these kids are getting this exposure. And then you go back to the development point of view for our players. You're going, what a great learning experience. It was absolutely brilliant for some of them boys. Um, and I do think it's why they were able to then go this year and go on to win um, a different cup competition. It's a nice, nice segue. We'll, we'll, we'll jump up to that. So um, Professional Development League Cup, Thrash Coventry 7-0. First time in, in town's history. Um I, I, I want to get to the point. Uh, let, let's mention this comment that you said at the end. You try and kind of challenge the players to go and make their mark in the in the first team after that. Obviously, Cameron Humphrey signed a new contract. But if you're talking about that 7-0, what players within that team do you think within the next two to three years will be, I don't know, a regular sitting on the on, on the bench as, a, as an option, I guess? Yeah. <laughs> It's easy to sit here and say, I, I am biased because of the, the time I've spent with the players. We're not talking just one season. We're talking, you know, you're looking at minimum two years for some of them that came in at, later on, or, you know, you're close to eight years. Um, but Cameron Humphreys is an obvious one. I think one, he's versatile. Two, he's got the stamina. Three, he's got the mindset. Four, he's got the technical capabilities and is an intelligent player. So... I think pre-season coming up is going to be a big one for him in terms of putting his, 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 a message out there. I think he's got the capability. And I think if, it doesn't for, if he doesn't force his way into our team, I think there'd be other clubs for a loan move that would be looking to have him um, in their club. So I think he's one to certainly look out for. Um, Tawanda really did change his kind of um, 
his impact on games this season. His goal tallies were absolutely ridiculous. We spoke earlier today about his his mentality, this drive he has. He, he doesn't care what anyone else thinks. He's got this self-belief about him that he can be the best. And that, you know, any top athlete has those characteristics. For me, it'll be interesting to see how he deals with adversity, though. You know, i.e. when I haven't picked him, he's, he hasn't been in a bit of a grump and that. So he's got to learn how to, how to uh, mature with that. Um but you've got players in there from a Nico who's who's got to stay fit. Um, that's got uh, good qualities. You've got Gerard that's got good physical attributes and has a, a got to get better at goal scoring. But um, Albi Armin as well, who people will discuss around his height and his best position. But actually, look at how many headers he wins and doesn't lose, and his ability to play out. And I think he's a, he's a, another good player that's got got a chance so i think there are players in there but how they navigate their 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 journey in, and their development into the senior game i don't know and and attention needs to be placed on all those players um and they've got to be managed in the right way players that have gone out on loan but loans is an interesting one not all loans can be a, a good we, we we send some of the 18s out into the lower leagues, into the into the local leagues, i.e. your Berry Towns and your Felix Stones. And it depends where they're going to what environment, what what you want to get out of it. If you if you want a kid to go and, and get loads of a, loads of the ball and develop his technical and tactical skills, it's not the right thing for them. Academy football's better for them. And a lot of people will disagree with this. This is my opinion on it. If you want somebody to go out at like Elkan did, I think it was to um Kings Lynn, um, and go and uh, play against physical players, men, and develop his heading skills and last-ditch tackling and things like that, then I'm going, okay, I understand why he's saying it. If you want him to develop playing out from the back, um, get it off the keeper, roll it into midfield, breaking lines, this and that, it probably isn't the right thing for him, depending on how that team plays. Because, that, you know, these guys are playing for extra bonuses or mortgages or whatnot, and it means something. So... Kieran's got a more straight up point about this, but I think it depends on the player. It depends why you're doing it. As long as you know why you're doing it. But I wouldn't say every player should go out and experience men's football because Andre Dizel broke straight into a first team without playing any, uh, uh, going on loan anywhere. Um, Connor Wickham, I think the same. <laughs> so it, it doesn't work for everybody. Flynn Downs did go out on loan. Wolfie went out on loan and it, it, it did work for him. But then we've had other players. Tommy Hughes, Tommy Hughes couldn't even get into Berry Towns' team, and then was one of our best players as a, as, a, as an under eighteen and, and one of our top talents. And actually, we talk a lot about Ben Knight. Tommy Hughes is probably one of the players that I've probably one of the best I've seen in terms of handling the ball in his technical game. One of the best at our club, um, and I really hope he can he can kick on with this with this contract that he's got um, going forward. But um, so yeah, it doesn't work for everyone. What do you think, Kieran? I just think it's lazy when they say our kids need to play men's football. We have to, whatever club they're going to, we have to find out the style of play, what are the benefits of them going out on loan. Again, so if we're taking Cameron Humphreys and he's going to go and play for a Chelmsford and it's just launch ball and fighting for seconds and you know that Kieran McKenna is all about possession-based football, why are we sending players to Chelmsford? It has to fit the style of play of proving they can play in our first team. Uh, he's touched on a point. Alcan has had a successful loan because he went to 
Kingsling with men's football against experienced centre-halves who probably played league football are coming down to the end of the day, know the little, they know every little trick in the book, how to pin people, and that was good for him. But what happens with Cat 2s, clubs, is where Cat 1s, Louis Barry will get in Ipswich Town. Unfortunately for Cat 2s, for our players, we send our players out to Chelmsford, and this is no respect to Chelmsford or Lowestoft. And I don't think that does some of our players a benefit because we're about dominating the ball and technical ability. Um, and yes, obviously you need the physical side of the game, but you can get the physical side of the game playing against the first team every day in training, which Kieran McKenna's doing. So uh, there has to be a method behind the madness. You don't just go, they need men's football. Let's just throw them to any club that wants them. No, you have to do your homework, style of play. What do they play? Do they dominate the ball? Let's go through their possession stats. Let's go for how many chances they create. And we don't do that, unfortunately, again, because I don't think we've got the time or the personnel to do it. Um, and another thing, because we're talking about loans, and you'll probably agree, so everyone looks at Dobbs. He's probably had his first loan. It hasn't gone to well. But when does a first loan go well? Harry Kane had to about had, have about three or four loans. This is Harry Kane that's going to be the greatest goal-scoring striker for England. You've got to remember, these boys have been at our football club since, like you were saying, eight or nine. All they know is Ipswich Towner's environment. Then all of a sudden they go, bang, new manager, new vices, bang. The first loan is not going to be successful. If you have a great first loan, you've done, you've been very fortunate. There's many, look at Louis Barry. People, Louis Barry's gone back probably thinking, what the hell, after player, but no, don't. Don't see that. that. That's why I could contradict myself here because because I think it was John McDermott at, when he was at Tottenham had said it yeah. once is that there's no such thing as a bad loan. Yeah. And he, I think he's in reference to just because it doesn't work out, but you learn something from that. So, you know, a Tommy, you, and I'm not saying Tommy, but like a Kane going to a Millwall, for example, he would have learned something from that experience. Now, again, if you want to give somebody from our program time away from our football club because all they've known is Ipswich you know the great pitches and, and the facilities and your kit getting washed and whatnot but you want to send them get them grounded a little bit and play on bad pitches and deal with a bobbly ball and all that okay again if that's your reason then fine we can support that um but there has there has to be a, a thought process behind it and we don't just you know send a kid out just for the sake of it but people do have different opinions on it all and again, what works for one won't necessarily work for another. That's why you can't say everyone must have experienced it. Not necessarily. It's not healthy to play, you know, 40 plus games at under 23 level either. You know, again, it depends who your opponents are. But I think that's, we, we referenced Bailey in that, how many 23s game he played over the years. Um, he should have, you know, he, he didn't have too many successful loans, but hopefully now, um, wherever he ends up, he, he's going to be able to kick on again. Um, but those experiences he's had, that might that might help him. But going back to it, there are some good players at the football club that hopefully um, can break through. And I think fans love nothing more than seeing their own come through an academy. Um, and Ipswich has got a rich, rich history of players coming through. And the reason you don't hear too much of it now into the first team, I don't think anything to do with the managers that we have or anything like that. It's because more often than not, the best ones are getting snapped up earlier. You know, a Marcelo Flores potentially could have broken through. A Ben Knight broken through. Charlie Brown. Harry Clark, who um, obviously went to Arsenal. Um, who else have I forgotten? There's another one. I've said Ben Knight. But, you know, these players... Liam Gibbs. Liam Gibbs, you know, to Norwich and that. So, 
we can't we can't look at it as a negative we you know the academy are doing their job so you're either going to be an academy that wants kids coming through the first team or you're selling them but we can't control when they go <clears throat> so the obviously we've we've had the seven nil win over coventry um well, well can i just it's a good story about the seven nil so all season like we were trying to shift like so when they were in this cup game because it was new to this league cup as the 23s i always had Tawanda, alby and cameron humphreys in the thing so when I knew there was an under-18 game, we'd go and speak to Claire, who sought out the fixtures, and we'd say, we've got a game on a Monday. Can you ask to move it on the Friday? So Cam can play, Cam and Albie could play the game on the Tuesday. So it was always geared that I was going to try and change the fixture for the final. And then obviously I left and John's coming and he's thinking, oh no, what have we t- <laughs> There's a game on the same day. And he was like, he was racking his brain like, Oh God! Could you imagine? Like, it's one of them. <clears throat> it's one of them where because you want to push players on, so yeah. they're playing in the twenty threes all season, rightly so. But you also want to give them opportunities. That's why youth cups great because it's the chance they go knockout football means something. We place an emphasis on winning and progressing um, because it's an opportunity to do so. Um, but all the other times, the ones that are playing the well are in the twenty threes. So we get to we get to the final and. I think Cam only had played the semi-final. He hadn't even done the previous rounds. And it's like, well, is it the right thing for him? You're going, that's where it's interesting, coaching debates, because you're going, yeah, but it's an opportunity to win something. It's an opportunity to give him a winning mentality, a feel for for it, and go and be the best player in front of uh, your own peers and show why you're playing in the 23s. But then you could flip it going, yeah, but he's missing a 23s game that could be good for him and da-da-da. So it... It always throws up challenges. And um, yeah, luckily KD had moved the games to, to suit the 18s that week. Um, but we'd, we'd, we'd actually got battered by commentary in, in the first game of that cup competition and we lost 6-2. So, it, and then we, I don't think we, we, we lost 1-0 in the league to them. So they had a 2-0 um, advantage in terms of results that season. And they were gutted because obviously they got the sending off. But we, if I was to say that was the one time there was the Sheffield United game and then there was this game where the lads were just on it from a psychological perspective. Technically, the goals were flying in, obviously, and we we that that was that was good to achieve. And um, going back to it, that shirt there, reason why it's so so special for me now is that's got signatures of players that I had at under eight. And I don't think there's many people in in youth development that go through a massive journey like that. And actually end up getting a nice little top off with a, a win in a cup competition for the club that we all love. So <laughs> when was it on your radar that you were leaving Ipswich and, and, and your future was changing and moving to, to Aston Villa? I just felt it was even an opportunity to really kick on and get closer to the first team. I had this, I had this, uh, not dream, but there was, a, there was a naivety about this, but I looked at it going, I wonder if I could go from under nines all the way through to a first team environment at one club, at this club. And um, not saying manager, I'm just saying, you know, first team coach or, you know, whatever. So for me, naturally, so my next step would have been 23s. Um, there's a lot of changes obviously going on at the football club with various people having left. Um, and I just felt personally, do I carry on and potentially run the risk of, of not challenging myself away from what I already know and what I know I can do, my comfort zone? Um, but I didn't have anything to go to. And then a phone call happened and there was interest elsewhere, um, Villa, as it's already been announced. 
And it was the first time I had a Premier League Cat One club show interest. I know some of the people there, really good people, an environment that I'm excited about. And I just felt in order to better myself for my own personal future, I, I couldn't turn it down because you just don't know when a door like that could open again. So I'm not leaving Ipswich on any negative terms, on any bad terms. Uh, naively, I never want to leave the players that I love working with. Um, and all good things come to an end in terms of, of football careers. If somebody leaves at some point, everybody leaves. And I just felt it was the right time. And I've got to go and challenge myself and see if I can better myself. And I looked at previous staff members, i.e. Kieran with Anderlecht, Brian with Tottenham, Liam with West Ham, Gerard with the Irish FA, um, Krause with Arsenal. I just thought, speaking to those those staff members as well, it was it was a good opportunity to go and challenge myself and develop myself further. And they've invested heavily. They've got good players that have then experienced um, cup competition with the first team when they covered the games there. They've um, they've got um, players breaking through. They're in international setup. So wealth of good players, good culture there. The thing that excites me, as I said, is the people that work there and the environment that's being created in terms of learning and opportunities to learn. I feel like I'm going into a, a new school or starting secondary school for the first time. However... I certainly believe in myself that I can go there and improve the programme. What I bring is, I think I, I sit in line with the culture that they have. I think they place a high value on the way that you connect and work with players. And as I said right at the start, that's that for me is my own super strength, the way I can connect and, and, and improve these players. And that's what they're trying to build. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the role evolves with, with Gerard and, and other staff there. Um, I'm going in as a professional development phase under 18s coach. Um, I've only ever led groups and led phases and managed staff. So it will be nice to just purely focus on players and the grass um, and, and get back to just purely focusing on, on, on the coaching side of things. But I'm new into the role and it will be interesting to see how it, how it develops. And I'm, and I'm really excited to, to, to start a new journey. I know that we spoke in the, in the green room before we recorded and um one of the players, and I've got a list down here, is uh, we mentioned a little bit about um, Dobra when he went to, to Colchester. And that I'm hoping he does mature with that. And I think he'll learn, like you say, these loans at Colchester, I th it, it could be the best thing that ever happened to him as well. We don't know. Um, but he needs to kick on. He needs to learn from it. And, um, yeah, he's he's got a fiery side to him, but that was matched by me and Kieran at times. So I, don't, I think he had no chance with us. <laughs> what about his dad's temperament? Tell us a story about his dad. In one of the 16 games. I get, I get on really well with his dad, but I probably didn't know what I was getting into to start with because I had a big thing around sideline coaching. So obviously coaches will say their bits and that, but if parents start getting involved and affecting, they don't know what's been said. It's like your classic fan. They don't know what the team talk's been. They don't know what work's been done on the training, but they only see what's going on there and then. Parents are the same. They want the best for their son. But Dobbs' dad, bless him, gets caught up in it, shouting at the referee, Shouting at Dobbs. This is an under-16 game. And I'm like, I can't have this. This is I can't have this for the whole season. This is early on. So I actually stopped the game. I stopped the referee. Ref, can I just, and the away the, the staff thinking, what is going on here? And I walked across the pitch. <laughs> players are looking and going, what is going on? And I weren't going to run. I walked. So I walked. I walked. I get that. I said, Mr. Dobra, enough. <laughs> like this to him. I said, stop getting on to the... And then other, I had to target other parents. So I said, look, any more from anyone else? Because... Parents would bite back at him as well, and the arguments were happening. I said, look, anymore, and I'm calling the game off. I'm just walking the team in. And they're like, 
they're like, oh my God, what, what is going on here? Who is this coach? Who's this weirdo? <laughs> like they're probably th thinking it's normal to like shout from the sidelines. Um, and Dobbs was like, the week later we go to Coventry and Dobbs is playing and again, it's happening. And I've had to again shout going, and this time it was more like little triggers. So I didn't go, Mr. Dobra, like this and be like, Sorry, Adam. Sorry, Adam. Like this, I think Dobbs may have even got sent off that day or subbed or something. But yeah, it was it was hilarious. I was just known. Kieran never forgets that. I just I just went and stopped the game and went and shouted at the the parents to pipe down a little bit. But how good yeah, was how good? But how good was it for you? You said that was probably the best reaction you ever had when you and you and Lee sat Dobbs and his dad down to tell him that he's got his scholarship. Yeah, we, we, have, we have some bad meetings when you're having to release players. I put that out there. The hardest job that any coach has to You release my son. I had to do that. I was given the task to do that. And I thought, <laughs> I've got to be the first. And I, spoke, and I made, I remember I was sat in there with his mum and I made him cry just because I paid him compliments. A great kid as well. But um, they don't all go well. Um, but anyway, so on this occasion, we had, Dobbs got a late decision from us as well. Just, I think with everything around his kind of, um, the, the, uh, the entourage, if you like, of, of, of what he brought to the table. But when we did, his dad was in tears, giving us hugs, and it, this is pre-COVID, in tears. And I, I had one parent once that rolled on the floor in celebration. Couldn't believe it. And you realise then, like, how much kind of time and effort and passion is put into these kids, but also how much pressure is put on them as well. You know, you're only at the start of a journey getting your scholarship, but it meant that much to him that we'd given him an opportunity. And... Uh, we get on really well with him, don't we? You, you and me both, KD, and he, he, he's forever grateful. But he's he's also, uh, I mean, his, his dad I'm talking about, he's also, just don't get on the wrong side of him. He's such a nice guy, but he's got strong opinion as well. So I heard he was trying to find the owner of the Colchester's, uh, the owner of Colchester's, he was trying to find what box he was in to oh, take. Yeah, Why is my son going? <laughs> but Dobbs is brilliant. And like, I, I, he's one again that texts me when when this happened and, and, and I knew I was leaving and, and just, paid his respects and I got a lot of time for, for him and his family and, and yeah I do really wish him the best because he's a good kid two two people that you spoke very highly of before and I just, you know just give you an opportunity to, to talk about them that they've, they've, they've been with you most of your journey uh, Lee O'Neill and, and Brian Clue and I'd, I'd ask myself I'd ask anyone this question going all right if I could give you a, a, an ideal um person that's going to lead a club let's say because titles change I don't know you know general manager or general operations first team manager and then you have CEOs you have chief etc and my thing is what would you want from yes obviously you want the club to do well but do you want somebody that has got an affiliation with the football club history with the football club loves the football club works his socks off for the football club is loyal, is honest, is hard, as I said, hard working, wants the best for it, is a real good people person. Would you want somebody like that at your football club? Your answer, I'm pretty sure 99% of people would say, yeah, I'd love that type of guy at our football club. And we had that. Leo Neal is that type of person. Now, what 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 wasn't perceived was that we he, he did the right right thing in terms of the role and decisions, or you know, it was deemed he was he was doing a bad job, but define a bad job. Like there's managers come and gone at different various football clubs. Doesn't mean they're they're a bad person. And, and I think it's too easy to just throw negatives at him. Um, because at the same time, whilst doing all that work, he was still running the academy. He was still having to manage over, you know, 50, 60 staff members, and he was learning on the job. So he's never gonna get it right. But you had somebody that 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 really cared about the football club. Um, 
and Ipswich has always been back from its, its, its Sir Bobby Robson days is a family orientated football club that looks after his own and he 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 was a great guy you ask anyone outside the the football club other football club sorry leo neil and they just said what a great guy what a good person and he was, maybe that was what the problem was he was too nice but i think he again like a lone move i think he would have learned loads from it and i really do wish him the best he's given me opportunities he's supported me through tough times and good times and um he was actually a really good coach and he was a really good sports scientist um, and then he's going to, I think he's going to be successful. He's an intelligent guy. And I know fans will, will, will think, oh, he's just mates with him, this and that. But no, a real, if I could have some of the qualities that he has, or at least learn from him, then, 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 then I'd be happy because he's a really, really good guy. Real good family, man. Going to Lee. So fans are going to think, oh, you're his mate. You're not going to say a bad word about him. Do you think Marcus Evans let Lee O'Neill down? And made his job impossible for him to really succeed. Yeah, he was the sounding board. He was the voice. He was the sounding board. He was the one that got all the flags. So, and also he was an I academy manager. Uh, why I say it is because he was basically the sound guy. Marcus never come to face the media or things. So Lee was put up there with basically saying Marcus's words. And then Lee is an academy manager who's then just thrust into this role of trying to run the whole football club with no experience and he's learning on the job, if you know what I mean. And so when I see all the negativity going towards Lee, I think he did an honourable job. If he was now, like you said, we all go on class, he goes on director of football classes, don't he? He's working, he's getting his badges in that and he's a where he was at the start of the journey to where he is now, it's like a massive improvement. But I just feel at the time where Marcus cut corners with staffing and structure, I think Lee got the, the, the brunt of it. And I feel that all the negativity towards Lee, I don't think Marcus helped Lee. That's just my take on it. I don't know if you agree. That's why I asked. Uh, I, no, that's why I said what I said. It, it, he was the face. So I think he understood it as well because he was he was the you know the front man but again he didn't go in it with bad intentions to do a bad job yeah. now i know it's the nature of the job like you're gonna get for you don't do well you're gonna get flack but um what gives us the right just to just to be good all of a sudden we are where we are as a football club the intentions are to get better and improve i i get on with kieran mckenna and he wished me luck he sent me a personal message around my, my new role and i got a lot of time for people to do that um and I, I really hope it works for him because Akira McKenna, a Liam Manning, a um, uh, 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 Bonner down at Cambridge United are flying the flag in terms of young coaches that have been in academy backgrounds to go and be managers. And it gives us hope then for other people that are trying to do similar things. So Justin Cocker and Kevin Beckett. Cochran now as well. So I do, I do wish um, Kieran the best and if, if it is to be next season for and bear in mind we're talking about promotion championship not even Premier League where we, we we would love to be and have been trying to get there for all the time that I've been since 2001 isn't it two so yeah yeah maybe one day and it'll be amazing to see but um yeah Lee was a good guy and still is and then as you mentioned Brian Klug who for me um is one of the lasting members of your Bobby Robson days in terms of being connected with him and and he goes unnoticed, he don't like the limelight, doesn't like being in the public eye, anything like that 
and for all his flaws, he's one of the best coaches that have been in and around youth development. And I've now been privileged to go around clubs and see other people. And, and, and he's obviously had his time at Ipswich and that. But to have a rich history of developing players and now staff in different areas. And we're talking about opportunities as well, giving opportunity, being brave enough to give opportunities to staff that weren't necessarily experienced at the time. For someone that doesn't have a day off at all, like he's in every single day of the year, he goes in. It's like his, his home. He's there more than he is at, at his own home. Um, the sacrifices made, um, I can only uh, pay my respects and, and a lot of the, the stuff that I've gone through now I owe to him. Um, and he's a, he's a good man, good person. He is Mr Ipswich. And my initial ambitions was I'd love to eventually leave the football club being known as a Brian Klug. Because I would say Ipswich. I go to other clubs and they go Ipswich Town, Brian Klug. Or oh, what football they play, what a club, what a club. And I think that's testament to the work he's done over the years with the academy. Um, so, yeah, there's there's a lot of respect on them too. And, um, yeah, Lee's obviously left. I'm leaving. Kieran's not there. And I just hope that um, that, that Brian keeps flying that flag for, for the academy and um, keeps developing staff and players as he's done over the years. And, and hopefully I'll be staying in touch with him and hopefully our, our paths will, will, will cross again at the same club. I just think your journey... It was good to share your journey. It's been an incredible journey. Uh, I was fortunate to pay some part of that journey with you. And I just think what would be good is just to finish with a story about us. I'll let you explain. But So you've talked about Brian. So Brian's not just a coach of players. He's also a coach of coaches. Uh, and Peter Trevivian, who was the youth team manager years ago and helped with the first team, he's also there to help us as coaches. And one of the very first things they always told me was that my best, my best tool as a coach is to actually join in and show because words can have an impact, but actual actions have a more of an impact. So we took a session one day, didn't we, Ads? And I, I, thought, as well. I thought I'd join in and um yeah, I joined in and I let Ads tell you the rest of the story, but I've never joined in a coaching, I've never joined in a session properly ever again after that. Every so often, we'd, and we wouldn't join in necessarily together, it'd be like, I'd join, I'd join in or Kieran join in and, and, and we always, one, we tried to really challenge the players' mentality, so it was like a bit, basketball would call it trash talk, you know, the, the Michael Jordan stuff, you trash talk and get into their heads and see who handles it and buckles, but then you try and demonstrate and lead by example with the way you play and then kids will copy so anyway kieran's joining in i want to say it's like a 5v5 6v6 and he goes into zoom player mode and i'm like watching somebody that's played premier league newcastle world cups trained with gerard beckham skulls all that kind of stuff and all of a sudden one of the lads gives the ball away it's not even a bad like it's just a bat and the arms go up like this what's he doing Wait, just give us it. And the kids are like, who's this? All of a sudden, he's joined our training session. And he's getting more frustrated. Kids can't pass the ball to him, right? He then, he don't lose it too often. Maybe like, all of a sudden, right, I think a goal goes in. The game's not even finished. Training's not even finished. It, it, he has a massive spat at someone and walks off and goes in. <laughs> and I'm like, right, this, we're meant to be setting an example here. I preach to these kids about... Uh, 
you know, uh, sticking at it when the, when the tough gets going, um, you know, stay resilient. How can you react to, to negatives and all this kind of stuff? But I've got my coaching partner walking in. I'm thinking, how can I preach this all of a sudden where he's just stormed in and he's gone from coach mode where he's, yep, yeah, trial and error, make mistakes, we'll learn from him, to player mode. And I'm thinking, right, lads, look, what a great example of, uh, of, of, of a desire to want to win and they're the standards you've got to hit. He's trained with the best. I'm trying to find every positive spin on this. And one of them just looks at me and go, what, you want us to just walk in there? <laughs> I can't argue that. That's case, like... I didn't know what to say. It was what it, he's driven off. I don't think he's even stayed at the training ground. And then like moments later, he's coming, let's have a meeting. And he brings the players in and then, and then he, and then he, he somehow manages to spin things as a massive learning lesson, puts it back on the players, puts it on himself though. He always takes accountability and it ends up being real good vibes. And all of a sudden we're having jokes and laughs about it with the players. And another way that he was able to connect with these players was to do things like this. And I think, people have a lot more respect for him because he is, as, as you know, from stories and podcasts, he's a very, very honest guy. Um, we're good friends. We chat all the time now and um, I've learned a lot from him. I may pay tribute to a Brian and a Lee that have given me opportunities, but I wouldn't be where I am now if it weren't for KD as well and the experiences he's given me. Pete Vivian, another one. And you've just got a lot. I think Ipswich, I'll go back to it. It's a unique football club where it is okay to be at a football club for a long time like I've been. Because you look at the people that I've been learning off that have come and gone, um, that have had different experiences. And it's all also okay to be new and fresh because you bring different ideas. Um, so I just hope that Ipswich doesn't lose that identity in the future around uh, having that family-orientated vibe and connections with ex-players and, and, and academy products and then your new coaches or your new staff members that are fresh out of different clubs and gel it all together. But um, yeah, head loss at his best. And he tries to argue that I've got head loss and I'm Mr. Turkish Simeone on the sidelines. No chance. <laughs> the moral of the story is I can't be a coach who goes into player. I can't be a player who coaches because once I go into a player mode, the competitive nature, I want to I do everything to win. So from there, it's only took me a probably I didn't join in for about a year until I started to mellow that, down. That's and, where I, I think it's different though. So like my example of this was Jim Jilton. Right, yeah, so yeah, Jordan, as as our captain of the football club, we loved him and we hated him at times. Right, more 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 often though, it was like like what a player as well. And some of the things I try I try and say to, and I wish we had more video access because I'm like little round the corner passes or little balls over the top to Darren Bent and that. And you're going in training when we got called over to go train with the first team. If you didn't pass Jim Jordan the ball, oh my god, did you hear about it? And you'd hit a good pass to a front man and get a goal. He stood five yards with a side pass and he's bollocking, oh, sorry, he's telling you off for not giving you the ball. And you're like, and he's like, just give me the ball like this. He wanted the ball all the time. And we love that mentality and we try and give yeah, But he was a player. I know. He was a player. Player. I'm a coach. I can't, I can't have that mentality. So then, so then, yeah, no, you can't. I'm done driving in. But you want those players to actually get that feel of it as well, going, look, if you go over the road, this is how demanding it can be. And mm -hmm. some can handle it and some can't. But again, you just got to know when to use it. And I'm not so sure we had the right characters that day, player-wise. Some could handle it, but it's one of them. The longer you get to know Kieran, if you're working with him, um, or any coach, um, you, you understand why they do what they do sometimes. But, yeah. 
Yeah, but I didn't plan to be that competitive. I thought I'd just go and say, this is how we were going to do, and then that was it. Well, you, you, you blame Pete for, him for giving you the yeah, idea. Yeah, it was Pete's fault. He told me my biggest tool was showing them with my feet. Nah, my voice is better. But, well, yeah. th thanks, Adam. It's been a, a, a fantastic insight of, of certainly 17 years at, at Ipswich Town and the, and the Academy. Um, I've really enjoyed the stories. Uh, I'm sure I speak on behalf of all the Ipswich Town fans where we wish you the, the best of luck in, in your new role. Um, and I'm sure that we'll be taking the a keen interest in seeing how Aston Villa under-18s are doing. So, yeah, best of luck to you and um, uh, wish you well going forward. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Top man. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.